Yeah, we talk hoops on Robert Ory's new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. I would have loved to play with LeBron because if you get down, get open, get to where you're supposed to be, he's going to find you. Feel like he got robbed for MVP. But with Robert Ory, we cover the floor and we talk about everything. And so your youngest so, is a teenager. So he's yeah. not going to high school right now. He's doing everything via Zoom. And he, Dad, can you help me? Nope, I'm running away. I'm running. <laughs> From the team that brought you the big podcast with Shaq, it's The Big Shot Bob Pod. Coming your way soon on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, LiveByLive.com, and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We might be underdog sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anshu to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we all point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk path. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Howardell joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu. Chris. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. Another uh, another day in paradise, as you said earlier. It was beautiful here in California the past couple of days. We've been a little spoiled, but the rain, she's coming, and that's positive as well. How are things with you? Yeah, uh, we got a, a frosty day here, as is apropos for you know, mid to late January in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So um, nothing that you're not braced for when you sign up for living here. But, you know, it's it's OK. It's it's football weather. It's it's like conference championship, Super Bowl type weather out here. And luckily, the uh, the team of which you are a fan gets to participate in at least one of those games. That's right. Hopefully both. But that's <laughs> correct. This is uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, we've got uh, we've got a good amount to talk about this week. I've got Bavada Sportsbook open in front of me, and the first thing I want to dig into, uh, non-football topic, but I saw a tweet this morning. I maybe Kyle Newbeck. I don't a hundred percent remember who it was. Trying to get Zach Levine uh, to to Philadelphia from your Chicago Bulls. Uh, what's what's your take on the Bulls season so far? Because it seems like they're in that horrifying middle area yeah as they they pretty much constantly are um you know it's i i would say it's been positive overall like i you know i'm not the biggest kobe white fan but he's been pretty good and you know patrick williams is getting rave reviews across the league from Mm. his opponents so that's that's been promising i think that you know, like I say this jokingly repeatedly, I think on this show, but it's the truth. <laughs> Having a professional coach is such a big difference for this team. And Billy Donovan is that and Jim Boylan was not that. So I think that generally, you know, it's been um, it's been a really promising year. I think that they're learning more about Laurie Markin. They're in the clearly this year to me has been an information gathering year for Carsonovas in this front office. And yeah. So. You know, they're trying to decide, like, is this a team, the aforementioned Zach Levine, do we help build around him? You know, do we do we have the, what pieces do we want to build upon? Because all these guys are kind of like tipping point type players. You know, you've got Wendell Carter and you've got Laurie Markkinen, Kobe White, Patrick mm-hmm. Williams, Zach Levine. And, you know, and you're really in this spot of like, which of these five or so pieces do we want to build on because they're not all on going to be on rookie deals very much longer if not if they're already not out of it you know and so I don't know they're they're at a very this is a very curious time I personally I would be looking at dealing any of those players for what amounts to you know the chance to be on either one of those sides that you mentioned to get out of the middle ground and to get a chance at a you know a really quality player whether it's this draft or the next one um, because I don't, I don't know how many of those players are championship building blocks. Yeah, the Bulls currently sit six and eight in fourth place in the Central Division, behind Cleveland, which feels weird to me. And uh, good. they they started off good. I don't, I don't, I don't know about yeah. being good. <laughs> yeah, but they'll get sucks and yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, and pick number nine, they're in a three-way tie for the ninth pick in the draft with Orlando and Charlotte. Uh, That's if, about to be looking over a tankathon right now. By the way, surprising to see teams like uh, Dallas, Denver, um, Oak, uh, I guess that's not surprising, Miami, New Orleans, Toronto out of the playoffs 
when the Clevelands, the Atlantas, the New Yorks, uh, I guess Memphis to a point are in the playoffs. This is, it seems like there's still some settling to do. I was just going to say it's, it definitely feels too small sample to make any, uh, any rash decisions or any, you know, assumptions at this point, but mm. you know, you, I will say the teams near the top that you mentioned, maybe not Minnesota just cause towns will be back at some point, or maybe he won't be. I mean, yeah. if you're Minnesota, Fingers crossed. maybe, well, of course you hope he's healthy from like a, uh, from a physical standpoint or just in general, but like he really an emotional standpoint as For well, real. but yeah, uh, honestly, but you know, at the same time from like an organization buildings perspective, you have to think towns eventually gets back to being what he was or the, the track that he looked like he was on. And maybe, you know, maybe you give him the year, honestly, maybe you're a little more lenient with what he needs this year. And, you know, you add pieces around him, especially in this draft, not to like mix two things that probably shouldn't be mixed, but you know what I mean? Like this is, this could potentially be a rebuilding year for mm. Minnesota. And that's not a bad thing when you look at the way that they're constructed. And so, you know, the four, I think it's Tankathon has the four worst teams right now is Detroit, Minnesota, Washington, Houston, that, and, and Sacramento. I mean, those five teams feel like the five worst teams in basketball, doesn't it? Don't they? Uh, I have a hard time. You know, Oklahoma city is pretty close to that list. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah, they're yeah. going to fall off a cliff because they're going to try and deal any of the veterans that are on that roster right now. That's fair. But they do feel probably like the worst teams in the league. Houston's interesting to me. I think Houston might put some wins together just because that locker room is in so much better shape than it was before. Very true. And, Very true. you know, quite frankly, like John Wall, uh, Victor Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Eric Gordon, Wood. Christian Wood, Christian. that's not a bad team. Yeah, it's a professional team for mm. sure. Like it's it's good enough to win too many games, but I guess I'm thinking of it more from like a like if I think of organizations that don't want to be in that middle ground, they are one that comes to mind. Although obviously Daryl Morey not there anymore, I still think they're built <laughs> that way to like to not be that type of team. Can I tell you, I've this was the year of Cade Cunningham's that number one pick. I've watched him a couple of times. I don't come away tremendously impressed by him. Maybe it's a function of the talent around him is borderline terrible, but I, I just haven't come a, come away extraordinarily impressed by Cade Cunningham the way I have when I watched like a Jalen Suggs. Yeah, I, I think they're both really good. It's hard for me. They're, they couldn't be more different for the reasons you just brought up. Like, I mean, the, the pieces yeah. around them are just like Suggs has the best team in the country around him. But and- he might be the best player on the best team in the country absolutely i i agree with that but you know so who knows what it would be like had you dropped kid cunningham into that team and Suggs is you know the perfect piece for them um as it as it stands for gonzaga but yeah i mean those two guys are head and shoulders above everyone else in my mind i know that you know we talked about evan mobley a couple weeks ago and there's a couple Julia guys but Mm. i like uh, those two are separating themselves i think well into March, we'll see. I, I mean, Suggs has a great chance to separate himself as the de facto guy as the season wears on. Yeah, the uh, the Timberwolves tied with your Chicago Bulls, by the way, right now at Bavada at plus 40,000 to win the NBA Finals. Uh, yeah, that would just be throwing money away in either case. <laughs> I would say a lock for the uh, <laughs> for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. What would you do if you're the if you're the Timberwolves, you get that number 1 pick. Where what are you doing with that pick? Are you is that a like a prime traded for a star pick? I mean, I guess it depends who's available, you know. Bradley like, Beal. If it's just Beal, I not just Beal. I if you could get Beal, that's that's great because, you know, I think you're hoping that Cunningham becomes a Beal type of player at some point, but you know, he's, I, yeah, I mean, I would do that. I don't know for uh, what does Beal have left on his deal. I want to say uh, there's I think two. Yeah. I think he's got two. I'm looking it up right now, but I just think it, it's weird that they would, they would suddenly be in the market to pick a point guard after they were so, so against the more logical pairing of LaMelo ball with, with Kat and D'Angelo Russell. I would just think that's less positional and more, you know, the person, the player, the style. I, I think Cade um, Cunningham is like, yeah, like I, I don't know. I understand why you would just say forget positional or even style. Let's just take the best guy. Where Lamelo, 
it was close enough between him and Edwards and others to them and to many draft watchers, observers, that, you know, they might be close and you might not go. Then you maybe factor in positional eligibility. Beal's got two years left after this year at 34 and 37. Yeah, I don't know if I would do that. I would. I, I think that. If, if you, I mean, you I, had him long term, maybe. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you're getting him in his 28, 29 seasons. He's a guy who has had health issues, though. You know, he is almost like magically Zadrunas Ogalskis esque behind, has those like career ending injuries behind him now. Uh, yeah. Knock on wood. Uh, he was, I mean, I remember years ago when there was talk that because of a degenerative issue in his knee, that Beal would never be able to play, you know, more than 70 games in a season and all of this. And I don't think he missed a game last year. Yeah, no, I, I'm not concerned about Beal from an injury perspective. It's more just like, that's a big number to add to your payroll. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you really, it like for a number one pick type and all the things that go along with that. And especially in this draft, where I think those two guys, at least for now, just those two guys are absolutely deserving of it. I mean, I love Beal as a final piece, maybe on a championship team. That T-Wolves team doesn't seem a Beal away by any means. That's true. And maybe there's a bit of redundancy between he and D'Lo, but... Mm-hmm. I do think culture is a thing, and I don't True. know. I don't yeah. know about the culture in bringing in. Uh, you know, I am very, uh, very strong in my opinions on Anthony Edwards. Uh, yeah. I don't like Cade Cunningham. Worries me a little bit too. He's a guy who may or may not have taken some money and some benefits for his brother to go play on a team that didn't even have a chance to play in the tournament. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I don't really care about that stuff that much. Oh, I, like, that, it happens everywhere. Happens everywhere. Ben Simmons 100% took money to go to LSU. A thousand percent. But at least they everybody. had a chance to play in the tournament. But Cade Cunningham doesn't even care. No, he didn't. I mean, that team just stunk. Simmons didn't. Fultz didn't. There were, I mean, every single year you've <laughs> And Fultz worked like, out so well. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> isn't he having, he's having a good year. Or he was. Yeah, towards ACL, he's off of the yeah. season. He was he was well, playing all right. I think I I'm not saying that like that character stuff. That, like I just I that doesn't matter to me. I understand if it does, but like then I think you have to then ignore every good player that's gone to college over the last few years, probably or most. That's fair. Uh, Fultz. I think. Look, I I want Markel Fultz to do well. I think he was uh, not even close to ready to be in the NBA when he came out. Agreed. Then there were the injury issues. By all by all accounts, he wanted to stay in wa- at Washington, and his mother made him declare for the draft. His mother has certainly been an issue over uh, the early part of his career. But I think a little bit too much was made out of this quote-unquote breakout season that he was having in Orlando this year. Did start yeah. all eight games, but shot 39% from the field and 25% from three. I'm not super bullish about that. Although the free throw percentage was uh, almost 90%, but only on two and a half a game. Yeah. Compared to what he was where he basically couldn't get to the rim with a free throw. I think that's, that's a step up, but yeah, that's, I guess all I'm saying is, yeah. Like, you know, if you, you have to compare, if you're going to compare Kate Cunningham to those, I, unless you're just making a, a separate Fultz commentary. That, yeah, that's um, just that's just okay. you know, there's always going to be that that Markel Fultz interest embedded yes. in me because of uh, everything that happened and the fact that he should have been that three level James Harden esque scorer that oh, that that is leading the leading the Seventy Sixers to NBA final contention at this point. Just didn't happen. So. Let's get down to the, the nuts and bolts of this, aren't you, Kana? What's it take for me to get one Zach Levine in Philadelphia? Oh, um, boy. I don't see the I'm Sixers interested. are in it. It's, I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I, I think that you would want to do, like, ancillary pieces, and I, Make I, think, the Bulls, I think the Bulls could do better for Zach Levine. I mean, I, I just don't even know, because any first-rounder, any high picks you're, are going to be in the end of the first round for you guys. The, the younger players are like, you know, Tybal and Maxi who... Well, the, the big know, one is Shake Milton. Uh, I mean, that's... For, for Zach Levine, that's, you know, Levine's a top five scorer in the league right now. Not that he's going to stay there, but, you know, he's he's probably going to be around the top ten. And mm, I, I think that that type of player, you can get a more promising 
probably set of assets for in my mind. Like I would be gunning if I'm trading Levine, I'm basically tearing it down and building around Williams and probably Kobe White if it's Arturis Carsonovas. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, I mean, if that's the case, then I'm looking at picks. I'm looking at young raw players um, that have a, the ability to get to be all stars, you know. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure Milton or Tybal or Maxi moves the needle from that perspective. How many picks you need? I'm willing to deal many of them. Philadelphia <laughs> allegedly believed that they had a trade done with Houston, uh, and to the point where uh, Daryl Morey again allegedly reached out to the agents of Ben Simmons and Matisse Thybul to let them know that it was likely they were going to be traded to Houston along with a, a couple of draft picks, and then Houston uh, you know didn't call him back. I that was I saw that story. That's insane because Morey is famously close to the vest with stuff like that mm-hmm. for you know out of fear of of leaking sources understandably and, I mean, for sure i no i completely understand it absolutely but like to so then that just i think adds to the the allure of of that possibility that you know he probably assumed it was done i mean if it's if it's a levine and something for in a simmons deal totally different story but i don't think that that's doesn't feel like that's a, it's a thing that you would want to do. I mean, you'd want to add Levine to build around Embiid and, and Simmons. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Simmons and how he handles this news that, you know, he was very if that's much. True. I don't know. His his response was something along the lines of, I understand it's a business, which makes me think that he was well aware of what was going on. Yeah, agreed. And otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you hear. Otherwise you I I didn't hear anything about that. This is a non-story. For sure. That's a good good catch on your part. I like, man. And like I said, we talked about it last week. I I don't even consider doing that if I'm Philly. Like it, I, it <sighs> would have to be Harden plus. And I mean, to be fair, like now we we see Harden even in just a few games and admittedly small sample. Like he looks like old Harden, and yeah. if not more efficient and even better. And so, you know, the, I you understand how tantalizing a piece like that is. But it's not like, I, again, I just cannot believe Houston took that. They're getting lauded for the package they got because of the picks. But, man, and, you know, maybe the Brooklyn thing blows up, but it doesn't look like it right now at least. And, I, like, it would have taken a lot for me to just trade him for a, a bunch of picks. And, mm. you know, and Oladipo, but they also give up something in return. So I, I don't love I don't love the move for them. I mean, you know, it's all going to, this all comes down to, do they get to the NBA finals or not? And it, it is all working out right now, but also Kyrie Irving hasn't been in that lineup just yet. So we've only had two of the three ball dominant players playing together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Uh, I, there's a lot of time for that to go awry. hundred percent. In a lot of different ways. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just, I, I've said this before, but I just think like Joe Harris is in such a weird position where he is the lone sane person on that in that roster. Yeah, him and and Nash are just probably like sitting there in the corner, like what? All right, all we got to <laughs> do is just let's just get through these practices. Let's get to the game, and you know, hopefully yeah. they just play nice. Openly talking about, do you think Kyrie comes to the game today? <laughs> He's man. Yeah, I look. He's getting a lot of positive news right now, and justifiably for mm-hmm. the charitable donations that he's made, and that's okay. If he wants to be a philanthropist, he can be a philanthropist, but he has a job and he's not doing it. Right. I mean, that's that's the thing. We're not doing a show about you know how good people are. Right. Like we're we're doing a show about you know talking about the potential championship prospects of these teams and he on the court, off the court, anything having to do with the performance of the team is. You know, he's a major question mark, a huge volatile piece that takes up a third of their payroll. And, you know, it's it's some more than that, I think, actually. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's something I would be very concerned about, obviously. And especially because, like, it looks OK right now with those other two guys who have a history um, a playing his a shared playing history in Harden and Durant. And so I would I would be concerned about dropping in, as you say, a ball dominant piece into that which is brew that's already kind of boiling. Well, Bavada has the Nets the clear favorite in the Eastern Conference after a couple of games, and especially after their win yesterday against Brooklyn. Plus 130. Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee, sorry. And Milwaukee second at, uh, at plus 325. Where's your money going in the East right now? 
I love, I would definitely bet on Milwaukee with that. They just seem way more stable to me. I think that in the playoffs, they're going to be in a really good spot with Holiday defensively. And I just, they're not going to be done yet. You know, like they never, they never picked up the pieces around whatever happened with Bodanovich. And so I think that that's, that's something to look for with them. I think that they are in a position to move DiVincenzo for uh, like a useful piece. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to get better as they get accustomed more and more to Holiday. So I'm I'm bullish on that team. I think that they'll be. I think this is a good buy low opportunity right now. Can I tell you, in a weird way, I think Milwaukee may have dodged a bullet with that Bogdanovich move because I never understood him with that personality that he has wanting to be a vital piece of the offense, wanting to maybe do more than he should offensively buying into being a guy who they're saying go spot up in the corner and stretch the court yeah i agree and especially because the money that was being floated for him and mainly the length of that deal that was being floated seemed outsized i mean it felt like it was a thing that they would be it was almost like a rush to build on the momentum to get Giannis to stay and Mm, for sure now that yeah like if they had already had Giannis locked down i don't even know if that I mean, maybe the trade gets made, but, you know, they don't necessarily sign him to an extension, a longer term extension, something along those lines, which obviously he he turned it down either way. But I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think that keeping their powder clean of Bogdanovich long term is going to end up being something they look back on, uh, you know, positively. Yeah. I, I mean, early in the season, again, that should all be pointed out, uh, but he's only only started two of the nine games he's played in, missed some games with injuries uh, for Atlanta, averaging sub-10 points a game, shooting 38% from the field. I just, I, I never liked that fit for them. And also, there's this fallacy that Bogdanovich is this this young player with a ton of potential. He's 28. Yeah, I don't, I think it was more like unlocking what the advanced stats say that he could bring to the table, you know? more than or like like some sort of thought that the kings weren't bringing everything out of him you yeah. know and then i don't know i i like i i think that the fit would have been fine with milwaukee but they would have been overpaying for that fit you know and and i think that again like they there are better ways to use that money and as the season wears on and you get a better feel for what holiday middleton and Giannis look like together they'll be better served by filling those needs more in immediately with like whatever Budenholzer decides that they they need you know agreed uh let's talk about football let's talk about Deshaun Watson once out once out of Houston although today it came out that maybe there's a way to save the marriage uh I I think that's more Houston saying hey say this so we can have a little more trade value Hmm. what do you make of this uh what do you think ends up happening with Deshaun Watson in Houston I like they would be so stupid to trade him. Well, I think that he is, you know, a top five, if not three quarterback moving forward. Like mm-hmm. if you had to name the players you'd want in the, I mean, say you have to draft the team for the next five or 10 years. Like he is, he is right there. And so I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I don't know what package it is that makes sense for them. Like I, if I'm any team, there's almost no amount where I'm like, yeah, that, that's too much. Uh, like, I, I just can't think of one. I mean, all right, so, you know, the Chargers aren't trading Herbert, the Bengals aren't trading Burrow, mm-hmm. but say, you know, the Dolphins come to you with Tua and... Which is a, a trade that Watson himself put forth, by the way. Right, right. That I saw that. So, what is it? Tua and a first and probably a second, maybe? At like, least. first of all, one of those firsts was yours. Yeah, <laughs> or right, basically right. yours for Dunsel. And, you know, and then... I. I I don't know. Like I like Tua, but I would be. I don't think you've seen nearly enough out of him to value him over, you know, any of the top three guys for sure at no least way. that are going in this draft. So, you know that. So what? So all right. So if they if the Dolphins were tomorrow to say we're looking to trade Tua, what would they get? A, a late first, probably, maybe. Probably, I, I would maybe not. I would be looking to structure that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a two and a conditional pick that could be a one next year. Just for Tua. For Tua, so yeah. That's, that's right. So that's like, if you're thinking about what you'd be getting for Watson, then it's a conditional two, or a conditional one, or a two, maybe a second two, and a first, and mm-hmm. then whatever their high first is. I, I mean, 
that is not enough for me, even close to enough to, for me for Deshaun Watson. And so, you know, I think that you're best best off just mending the fences. I don't really understand why ownership didn't just enlist his help unless they just absolutely knew with unwavering, you know, complete certainty that they were going to go with Nick Casario. Yeah. It seems like it's more about this Jack Easterby who is sitting in their front office and he apparently is someone that Deshaun Watson doesn't like. And I mean, it's just so easy to just act, like tell the player that he's involved in a decision, you know, or just get his feedback. You don't have to use it, but you can at least get it. Yeah, <laughs> so spend two care. hours interviewing the coach that he wants you to interview. Right. And it seems like they're doing that. Unfortunately, it's a guy that neither of us are big fans of an Eric B but uh, you know, I will never understand this. Yeah. Well, yeah, it seems like that's someone that Watson at least is interested in. And so that feels to me, I think, is that what you were alluding to? That that was the bone that Houston's sort of throwing his way? Yeah, and I just, I just, I do not understand the Eric Bieniemy thing. I, I never have. People change, but at the end of the day, I don't understand how this guy has a job in football, let alone has a chance to, you know, get a, a head coaching job in football right now. He is just, and granted, it has not been in the recent past, but not been a good guy. He he had to testify for that Colorado rape defense and basically said he knew it was going on. How is yeah. that not the end of your football career? Done. No, thank you. Please get away from my organization. That's what Colorado <laughs> said. They don't allow him on campus anymore. That's crazy. That, like, that, the fact that that has gotten swept under the rug so much <laughs> yeah. is, is wild to me. And I mean... I think, yeah, we, we went over this last week. I really don't want to, because to, it, it comes off a little, like, I think that, you know, I it's a systemic problem, not an Eric Bieniemy, not like... No, this is an Eric Bieniemy problem. It's an Eric Bieniemy thing. And so, like, this is, whatever, That that's a different story. But either way, you could interview other, other people, and they have, allegedly, like, you know, Leslie Frazier, it sounds like, is a guy that they... They've said is is a strong candidate. I don't yeah. know how much truth there is to that. I hope, you know, if that's the truth, then that's great. And I think that that would go a long way in bridging, you know, the gap with Watson. And maybe, but maybe it's not. Maybe Watson just loves Eric Bieniemy for whatever reason. Either yeah. way, the point is just take two hours, whoever it is, give Watson the respect he's earned. Like he was out there this year with just nothing. I mean, you trade his best player away and you, you pin him with a, clearly a bad coach yeah and he just made stuff out of nothing i mean he was basically the play caller the second half of the year and still led the league in in pass yards so i mean this guy like i there again there's almost no package i would be looking at that would be enough for him if i'm if i'm the houston texans yeah it's just crazy to me that they didn't even they didn't even request an interview for robert sala who was the guy that deshaun watson really wanted to uh really wanted wow. in the first place. Didn't even request him, let alone interviewed him. They interviewed Caldwell and Marvin uh, Marvin Lewis and Joe Brady and Matt Everflus and and Leslie Frazier. Uh, I think they uh, they requested Arthur, Arthur Smith, David Culley, Brian Dabble, who by the way is he's the next Houston head coach and mm-hmm. and uh, Brandon Staley. But We'll talk more about the coaching carousel next week when I think all the jobs will Philly makes their move. <laughs> probably. Well, I think all the jobs will probably be filled. I do think it's a foregone conclusion that Brian Dabble's the next head coach of the Houston Texans. He's friends with everybody in that front office. He declined interviewing in Philly, be, and the assumption mm-hmm. is that he basically already has a job. So we shall see. Um, but Mm-hmm. Bavada does have odds for where Deshaun Watson is going to end up next year. I would love to see where you're putting your money on this. Uh, let's see. The the Houston Texans plus 170 is the favorite. I would, uh, I would not be wagering on that. The Miami Dolphins plus 300. The Jets plus 300. The Bears plus 500. The 49ers plus 9. And the Patriots plus 1,000 are the only teams that are within that plus uh, 1,000 oh, range. The Patriots getting Deshaun Watson would be very fitting. I don't know. Oh. They, they do not have that the assets for that. No, no, no. And, I mean, really, when you list all those teams, who does? Like The Jets. I think the Jets are the one team that if whoever they hire as their coach believes in Sam Darnold, now you maybe have something because you've got Darnold. 
you've got that number two pick. Two, yeah. And I think that those two combined, okay, that that's a start for me. I mean, even then, I'm I'm not moving Watson, but you start with those two, and then you you keep talking, and you know now we've got something to build off of. And, and you know the other teams are just, it, the picks are just too low, and or they don't have the players that you would also tack on. Because if I'm if I'm Houston, you know you've got Watt, you've got Tunsil, you've got you know all these receivers. You've you've spent your money and your picks on veterans, so I kind of think they're they're sort of ready to win now. And I wouldn't necessarily be looking to burn it down unless I have either a taker for Watt or you know had some plan of what to do with some of that extra money that they've they've clearly got earmarked on their roster already. Yeah. So that's the one. That's probably the one that's closest. The bear stuff is hilarious to me because there's just, I mean, there's just no way, right? And Agreed. plus they pass on him. It's just hilarious. So I don't like, if you don't have a top five pick involved right off the bat, just, you know, hang up the phone. I think there's one exception to that I'll talk about in a second, but the Jets could trade that number two pick and a third round pick and still have a one, a two, and a three this year. Like this that's is crazy. This is the opportunity. They have the excess uh, excess selections to lose a couple and not have it hurt. So, mm-hmm. and you you would also have to think, despite the fact that that Jets team has been a, a disaster over the uh, the past handful of years, one Deshaun Watson gets his coach in Robert Sala, and mm-hmm. and the other one is the marketing opportunities in New York make up oh, for man. the trouble. I for Deshaun Watson, there's no. There's no trouble there. If you're no, no, there. I'm not saying that the trouble in getting a uh, getting an ad, getting a deal. I'm just saying the trouble in playing for the New York Jets. Oh yeah, no, it, like it makes up before, for it for sure. I mean, they're they're in a good spot now, like the Jets. Although they obviously blew their chance at getting their franchise quarterback without mortgaging the future, but mm. you know, at the same time, Watson is so young, and we're talking about this because he can be the future. I mean, he's still what, 25? I mean, mm-hmm. he is going to be the face of the NFL or one of the faces of the NFL for the better part of the next decade. And, you know, you, if you there are just not many chances to do something like this. I mean, it terrifies me to imagine what the Rams or Niners would do with him. You know, like what, like how mm-hmm. good he would be with Shanahan or McVay or, you know, really any of a number of really good play callers. And so I'm sure those lines are being burned up. And, and I'm sure that Houston doesn't want to and isn't incentivized to ship him somewhere where it seems like he's going to be, you know, the key piece to a puzzle. I I think the more interesting Watson packages are probably the ones where they get a starting quarterback now, like whether it's mm, maybe I Carson Wentz, maybe... Uh, that, that's not happening. Uh, that, the financials of that just can't, can't work for Philadelphia, unfortunately. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. But, you know, a guy like that, like Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, you know, one of these guys that we've talked about in the carousel, maybe Jared Goff as part of like a, not that he's a huge piece or anything, but, you know, if you want a guy that can bridge the gap while you figure out what's going on and, you know, you get other picks in the meantime, those are probably the needle movers in my mind. Well, the San Francisco 49ers are plus 1,400 at Bavada. And we know Nick Casario is a, uh, a former New England guy. We know he's familiar with Garoppolo. Could Garoppolo, the number 12 pick, uh, and a first-round pick next year and extra picks uh, be enough for Houston? I mean, if it – that's – no. I, to okay. me, it's a no, you know? But, like, I get it if if maybe they, they feel that way. I don't know. I Like, I think that – even the Tua deal there is better just because I'm, I'm, I don't think that Garoppolo gets it done. You know, like he doesn't hit that mark that I would need. Okay. And certainly Tua younger, cheaper, and the more untapped potential at this exactly. point. Exactly. So right, right. I just think that the, the former relationship between uh, Casario and, uh, and Garoppolo is an interesting one. Something interesting good to point. keep an eye on. It's a fair point. But if you get Tua, you get the number three pick. You get another, probably you'd ask for two more first, I would think, or at least a one and a two. That that probably is a little bit better to me. Tua, a one this year, a one next year. Number three. It's got to be number three. That's, oh, that's oh yeah. Key. Yeah, a, yeah. One, a one this year, one next year, and a two the year after. 
that's that's probably the best I've heard. But you know, uh, just you know, if you end up dealing Watson because you bungled a search and you know you treated him with disrespect and you had to do all this because of that, I mean that's that's a mess that you've made for yourself. Well, I think that's the mess they find themselves in. Right, but they could still repair it. You know, like just I don't know. Uh, he, but they already didn't. Uh, and and yeah, any, anything past true. that is just it's just trying to make amends with a, a secondary option. I don't know. By the way, is Joe Brady just like I, I thought he would be the name that everyone was going after and fighting over? Is he just not ready? Do you think that he's just taking the interviews kind of like, hey, you know, here's my name. It's on the radar now. But, yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not ready for this. I think he's a top three guy in Philadelphia, though. I do mm. think Josh McDaniels is by far the clubhouse favorite. Yep. Um, but McDaniels is McDaniels is on that short list. Yeah, that that's an interesting one. That that Carolina offense was okay. It wasn't great. Bridgewater is not probably isn't a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's probably a really good backup. They did a nice job of getting their receivers the ball in space, which is something as an Eagles fan interests me. Definitely had the the handicap of the McCaffrey barely playing this year. I don't know. I, I wonder if a, just a little bit of that luster is off boy genius. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's maybe. I I don't know. I thought that because of the injuries, they did a really great job considering McCaffrey was out, and you know, I I just I didn't think much of Bridgewater coming into this year, and I thought that they extracted a lot of what they could they obviously as the season went on it didn't go as well as you know it had early and so you know I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they look next year with McCaffrey and you know I, I mean I'd honestly love to see them without Bridgewater I'd love to see mm-hmm. them with whoever their eventual quarterback of the future is um, because I think that you know knowing I, like I think it's fair to wonder what Brady Joe Brady will be like with you know with a, a real quarterback, not someone in between, not like he's obviously had Burrow and maybe Burrow helped make him. He was obviously on New Orleans. Maybe New Orleans helped, you know, prop him up before mm-hmm. then. And this was really his first year being the offensive coordinator and play caller in in any capacity. And so, you know, if they were to add a, a young quarterback, I think that's, that's clearly the signal of what he might be going forward. And I, he just might just be too young at this point. And I think there's an, a degree of that that's true. I think teams are a little hesitant to turn over the reins, especially for big money to a 31-year-old. There's only yeah. so many times in history when that has worked in the NFL. And because, I mean, these guys do have to be leaders of men, and he would not, yes. he would not be the oldest person, you know, on that offense. Well, I think that's, wow, I mean, that's hilarious. It's true. But, you know, I think that that's, I, I clearly hear the uh, the undertones there of kind of comping into McVay. And McVay, say what you want about him, but that is the one thing I think he clearly does really well. Oh, yeah. He's a leader of men. You know, he, He's an he's, alpha's alpha. He really is. And his, I mean, he cares just so much. And now again, not to say that Brady doesn't, we don't, we just don't know him that well yet. But my guess is that, you know, when McVay went into to the Rams organization and talked to Les Snead, I'm sure they were like, he would, they were just blown away with his, that alpha-ness. Like it's impossible to ignore when he walks in a room or, you know, commands a press conference, even in a loss, he just seems to have complete command of that, of that room. Yeah. Although I, I do have a hard time separating the fact that it sometimes feels like he's doing a bad John Gruden impersonation <laughs> with, with just how he is. Uh, but he, they love each other. Yeah. yeah. N- no. And, and you get it. You, you absolutely mm-hmm. see where McVeigh is influenced by Gruden in a lot of ways. Totally. And what you're talking about, you can actually see there is actual proof of because mm-hmm. the Rams were on all of nothing, uh, all of nothing, all or nothing on Amazon that year uh, that McVeigh got the job. And uh, that's the year that Jeff Fisher got fired. They went with, uh, they went with good old bones as the head coach in the interim and that I think they even went out of their way to add another episode because there is basically the Sean McVeigh episode at the end. And you just see the stark difference in like the the sort of attitude of the entire organization when his energy and his competence comes in. That's yeah. And I mean, as a fan of a team looking for head coach, that's what you're after, isn't it? I mean, you can you can have the other kind of guy and that's cool. But like if you're going to be that young, you better have that like 
you know, you, you have to be special in that way, I think. Because otherwise you can always say, point to the skins on the wall and be like, look, my offense, you know, Brian Dable, you've got mm-hmm. all these number one offenses with multiple different coordinators. You've got these connections with great coaches and, you know, iconic coaches. And um, But, you know, with someone like Joe Brady, it's they, there just aren't those things. And same thing with McVeigh. So at least McVeigh can point – I mean, he does have the coaching influence, but then he also has – you know, he just has that command. And I think that that's what separated him when he was that young to jump from, was it tight ends coach to mm. head coach is, is crazy. And, um, you know, you see why. Well, I mean, Sean McVay is so good. He's 34 years old and he has a coaching tree already. I know a, mo- a really successful coaching tree. By yeah. The way. <laughs> I was, you know, I told, I told you two weeks ago that, that Staley was the guy that I really wanted before you talked me out of a defensive coach. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know thinking about it that I've ever heard Joe Brady speak. So I don't know what kind of personality he has. Yeah. I've seen him. I've seen him interviewed. I like, he's, I think he's impressive, but I'm also clouded by, you know, when I watched that, I think I I saw him obviously from like whatever happened at LSU. And because Mm -hmm. I think he's so obviously the next McVay type you know, he's just so in line for that. If you look across the landscape of the league, really college or pro, I mean, he sticks out as the guy. There just aren't many the guys like that, you know, that are, you're in the middle of a coaching search. You're you're saying the front runner is McDaniels. He was that at mm-hmm. one point. And I think that, like, it's funny to me that no other team has interviewed him because of, like, how hot a name he was. Even, you know, two years ago, it just kind of has disappeared. And I don't think it's because you know, they're any worse or anything like that. It's just, there's almost like name fatigue. Everyone's interested in the next guy. And that's what, you know, that's what Joe Brady potentially brings to the table. For sure. Uh, for sure. Apparently McVeigh blocked Brandon Staley from interviewing Kevin O'Connor to be the Chargers offensive coordinator. O'Connell. So. Yeah. yeah. O'Connor. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Kevin O'Connor. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting yeah. hire, but not, and but not one that was sort of shocked me with Sean McVeigh, surprisingly. Um, yeah, no, the personality is a big issue. The, I saw a enlightening interview with DJ Williams that's been floating around about Josh McDaniels. Uh, and DJ Williams basically says, I've never been more prepared for a game than when I was playing for Josh McDaniels in Denver. And then he was asked, did he like playing for Josh McDaniels? And he said, well, no. Yeah. No, that's... I did Because everything was scripted. He didn't he didn't have that ability to connect in the player to the players. Williams kept talking about like, you know, he learned everything from Belichick. He's taken everything in. He is a football genius, but maybe he's not that leader of men. And that concerns me. I I mean, that's I I'm fascinated by Josh McDaniels. Cause it did. We've talked about it for years and years now that, you know, I, we both, I think have agreed that it seems like he was just, you know, the, the reins were going to get handed over to him and maybe something changed. Maybe, you know, maybe he just didn't interview well. Maybe he didn't feel like the need to take any of these jobs. And mm-hmm. obviously that Colts thing really clouded how teams felt about him. Um, but n- now here we are, and it looks like Belichick's staying for a minute. And then, I mean, there aren't many better landing spots than Philadelphia if he's able to, I think. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I don't necessarily know that they need an alpha-type coach. Like on oh, that I, specific I disagree. Game. Really? I disagree. But in a weird way, McDaniels is that guy because he is going to be, he is going to be the guy. Yeah. And he's going to hold Carson Wentz accountable for everything. If, you know, it's interesting too, because Brady points to, he's always said, nobody coached me harder than Josh McDaniels did. McDaniels would scream at Brady on the sidelines when he made mistakes. And the, the difference in personalities is that Brady loves him for it. And it could totally break Wentz. Well, and the other part of it, too, is McDaniel's name is so volatile that, you know, if if he fails again, like he's done yeah, you know, for in sure. terms of head coaching. And so I don't think he'll have any hesitation with pulling a guy who might jeopardize his future. And that's that is something that might be a little different than Doug Peterson. He's going to end up co- uh, coaching the offensive line at Alabama like Doug Marone. <laughs> what a fall I was from just going to say 
Whatever his next job is, if it doesn't go well, he's 100% taken in for being Alabama's next offensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they pick up the scraps. All right. Do we have five? Do we have five minutes for here? Or we yeah. got to get out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So no, let's, let's, let's get to these. Uh, let's get to these games this week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to Green Bay, Wisconsin to take on the Green Bay Packers and Bavada has your Green Bay Packers minus three and a half, sir. Oh man, I'm I'm so excited. Like Brady Rogers for a chance to go to the Super Bowl is is like dream stuff, obviously. And mm-hmm. I I love the Packers chances here. I know that they got their doors blown off earlier this year. I think that it's gonna be a problem with Devin White and Vita Vea potentially being back. Um, but that game, if you look back, Packers were up ten nothing and they were just, you know, I felt like they were really in a position to dominate that game in many ways. And then the turnovers happened and that just doesn't really happen in the Rogers era. This is not a Tampa defense that, you know, is really that good in my mind. I mean, mm-hmm. they were obviously good against breeze, but breeze is clearly a shell of himself. And so I think that the Packers will have found some things over the course of the last 12 weeks, both within themselves and from that team um, that play that game. I, I think the Packers are on another level right now. What are what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, farewell, Drew Brees. Uh, it has come out that he's going to retire, and I think that hmm. the Saints really needed him to. I, yeah. I don't. Maybe he hasn't announced it, but I, yeah, I numerous other had. numerous reputable people in the media have, and hmm. uh, I think they needed him to because yeah, he's not the same player he was before, and the Saints are ninety nine million dollars over the projected salary cap for next year. I think he would take thirty three off that if he retired. Oh, yeah, they need that. So they do need that. This game's going to be fascinating. You're right. Rodgers, Brady, you can't ask for better than that in a conference championship game. It's going to be tight. Uh, I don't I don't know how Tampa Bay matches up and stops Devontae Adams. If if Jalen Ramsey couldn't do it, then I don't see anybody on that Bucks roster Carlton who could. Davis. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, if only <laughs> if only that Vernon Hargraves pick would have worked out so many years ago, they could have had that shut down corner for this situation, but uh, it didn't. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to. I like the Packers by a touchdown here. Yeah, I think so too. I think they've got a great shot. They've never had an NFC title game at home with Rodgers. It feels like this is, you know, this this seems like their year. I think this is their best team they've had with him. It would almost be a shame to lose before that, but, you know, it's a worthy last, you know, chapter to try to write this <laughs> here in, in the NFC. What do you think Bavada has his over-under at? Oh, man. Um, well, last week it was 45 and a half. I'm going to say definitely higher because the mm-hmm. Rams are way better. Um, I'm going to say 50 and a half. 51. 51. That's that is spot on. That it, oh, let's go. Aren't you the odds maker, Kana? Coming up big. <laughs> That's that, good vibes going into these into this game. Yeah, that is, that is impressive. Let's uh, turn to the NFC. This one's going to be fun as well. The Buffalo Bills head to Kansas City to take on uh, question mark Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Allegedly, Mahomes took quote unquote positive steps today to uh, eventually con- clearing, uh, con- clearing clearing concussion protocol prior to this weekend's game. Bavada has the Chiefs minus three right now. Seems right. Seems exactly like what the line should be. And it's interesting because, you know, the, the Chiefs just have not been able to put away teams. Yeah. And you saw it last week. Obviously, there were some... Some some there were some issues with Mahomes being hurt, but even before then, you know the Browns like it took that fumble out the end zone. And oh, the, I, yeah, want a helmet to helmet play uh, that went over real well here in the house. I can imagine, <laughs> but that uh, yeah, I mean that look. I we said it last week. The Chiefs haven't covered a game in like two and a half months now, and <laughs> I literally it's true, like it's they true. haven't, and so. I mean, I know they've still won by more than a touchdown in some of those just because they're so heavily favored all the time. But I like them in this game. I think that they, you know, it's easy to think about the Bills as this high-flying team. But in these playoffs, Josh Allen has been the Josh Allen of old in the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. he has not been that good. Like, I, like two weeks ago, they have a chance to bury the Colts. They couldn't. Um, I mean, they win, but they didn't really do it in decisive fashion. Last week did not look good at all against the Ravens. Really, it took that pick six by Jackson to flip that game around. Otherwise they're winning, you know, if they don't throw an interception in the end zone, it's a touchdown. It's a different story. And so I just, I think the chiefs are 
are clearly the better team than Buffalo. And so I could say that, that, you know, the Bills jump up and win this one game out of however many, but I will take Kansas City for that reason. Yeah, Josh Allen, very game managery last week, 23-37 and uh, a touchdown. Also only three yards rushing, so... They have no rushing attack now because Zach Moss is out and it's just Devin Singletary and he's not that impressive. No, Devin Singletary is a change of pace running back who's weirdly been thrust into a role that is greater than that. I've I've never understood it, but they do have that Stephon Diggs guy. He makes plays. John Brown's turned things around uh, recently and has been playing well. So it's going to be be a fun game. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. I mean, there there should be a lot of points, and assuming, of course, this all assumes that Mahomes plays, and you, he definitely is, right? You would certainly think so. I, I saw, I, I forget who, what idiot it was. Maybe it was Cowherd said that the <laughs> the the NFL should postpone this game if Patrick Mahomes can't play. What a yeah, what a wonderful precedent that sets. Yeah, for sure. We need to have our star players, but only a certain kind of star player. Yeah. And yeah, come on, get out of here with that. By the also, way, interesting, no. no COVID, no conversation about COVID this week. It just disappeared, right? Oh, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> it's it, gone. It's been no gone in the COVID. NFL since the playoffs started. <laughs> well, since Stefanski had it, basically. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and But even that, I feel like, didn't really get talked about. There was like, oh, the Browns don't have their head coach. How about that? Or any of their players. It seemed like the Browns are the last team to like even get it. Yeah. Well, I we'll see whether or not that's true. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yes, they are the last team to have these things reported. Um, right. Exactly. Bavada Bavada has the over under at fifty three and a half. Where do you uh, where are you going on that? I, I man, I think I like the over there. I think that both teams with Mahomes there. I think the Chiefs really like. I don't know why they weren't able to score much. That's a real testament to uh, your boy Joe Woods to to oh, shut them down a little it. bit. Stop it! But uh, no, no. I, I look. They. I think both these teams are going to be able to score quite a bit, and I, I'm expecting a well played game. But I just think that Kansas City is seven to ten points better. Do you agree that there is zero chance that there's a line at this stage if this is not a conference championship game? Just because, yeah, just because Mahomes would presumably be potentially out. Yeah, that changes things for sure. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's like an eight-point swing. I mean, if he's not in, I bet, you know, if you've got Chad Henney out there, it's (laughs) got to be the Bills by three, I would think. At least, maybe five. Alexa is so furious that she lost to someone named Chad. (laughs) <laughs> just beyond furious and then i will say God. they had their chance they uh, had their chance for sure they did then we watched season, really. after that game we watched some highlights of jeremiah jeremiah wusu koromoa and zaven collins oh there you go so, that's the way to end the week right there yeah linebacker highlights good times all right <laughs> that's gonna be it for this week's episode of the underdog for Anchukana. i'm chris horwardell thanks for listening and we will see you next time